What a great week we've had. Just want to give a couple of shout outs. We had an incredible work day yesterday. We just had so many volunteers, just a large amount of volunteers showing up just to help work on our building. And we just want you to know that, man, um, one more month, maybe, and we're in. One more month and we're in. You know, I know I'm, I'm serious this time. I'm serious. I mean it. I really do. And uh, even if I have to go stand there myself, you know, I'm just going to stand there. But we're going to be in that building. I'm really looking forward to it. And we're going to have the best nursery, the best kids' church available. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm telling you what. Let's give a big shout out to all the parents that keep bringing their children and the children that come and they sit here and color and listen and all that when they, they could be having their own service, but they come here. I'm just so like blown away for that. Can we give it up for the kids in the house, man? Just love on the kids. Man, yeah, we love you guys. You're awesome. You're awesome. Well, I, I just want to just tell you, i just give you a couple pictures of, so we, we've had so many people just reach out and say, man, we just want to bless what's going on there at Summit, and we've had people donate uh, uh, like truckloads of, of sod to us, as I mentioned a few weeks ago. We've had, um, showed up uh, Friday, I think it was, palm trees. Now, these are like little baby things. Look, I mean, These are huge, huge two-year-old palm trees. In fact, they showed up, and, and, and there's like 27 from South Florida palm trees donated to us, it would cost $2,500. Someone said it would cost about $2,500 just to plant one palm tree. Uh, if that was, a, you know, if, that, if you're going to do it at your house or something. And uh, if you can imagine, so I'm like 27. That's an interesting number. And, and uh, I wonder why 27. I mean, I'm thankful. But so I started doing some research. 27. I mean, you think like really seriously, JP? But I think numbers are important. I think every little thing's important. And I think God thinks every little thing's important. So I started, I think 27. Yeah, that's the number of books there are in the New Testament. Man, that's, that's, that's cool. So it's a New Testament type of thing. Hey, let's go with that. And, and I thought, well, you know, let me do some research. And I, I found that the, the word mercy seat is used 27 times in the Old Testament. I found the word candlestick is mentioned 27 times in the Old Testament. Now, both of those things are significant. If you're a Bible scholar, you'll understand that the mercy seat was where God comes down in, in the Old Testament and the sins of the people were forgiven. And, and the candlestick was that piece of furniture in the holy place where it would light up the holy place so the priests would know where they were going when they were going to... Uh, enter the presence of God. It speaks to us of being the light of the world. And so I believe that 27 palm trees really has a meaning. God's saying, look, you're going to be a, a powerful New Testament church. You're going to be a light of the world and there's going to be mercy found in this place. Yeah. So yeah, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I just believe that kind of stuff. And, and, so, and so anyway, some of you haven't no idea, you know, really what's going on, uh, and, and you're working out of town, and you haven't been around lately to, to see, but we just wanted to give you a brief glimpse, um, and again, a lot has even changed since we took this video earlier last week, and uh, we're, gonna, we're building a facility that will seat a thousand people, a thousand people, think about this now, a thousand people, and we just want to give you a little sneak peek just really quickly, and just watch this video real quickly, and you'll see kind of what's going on.
we're almost done camping, kids. Almost done camping. We're almost home. Oh, it'll be a lot of fun when we get in there. Did you see that lady with the vacuum cleaner pulling that vacuum cleaner? That was my mom. Shout out to my mom. Amen. <laughs> She's been up there working away. I bless her, man. I, 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 I now am reaping all of the you know, tortures of growing up having to be clean my whole life. And now we're, my mom's cleaning the church. I'm loving it. Hey, listen, I don't know if you heard about the, uh, the, 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 the guy and he was a, a professional bagpiper and he was asked by a pastor of funeral home to, to come and to play for a homeless man that had passed away. And it was a part, a region of the county that he wasn't familiar with. And see, so he said, absolutely. So he got lost and couldn't find his way. And finally, he showed up about an hour late. And by the time he showed up, the hearse was gone and the funeral director was gone and the pastor was gone. And all that was left was just a pile of dirt there in the, you know, in the field and, and some guys uh, sitting there on the pile of dirt eating lunch. And he felt like, man, you know, I, mean, I know I missed this guy's funeral. I feel terrible about it. But you know, it seems like the right thing to do to just go ahead and play for this guy that, that's dead, you know, before they put the dirt over the grave. And so he packed his, unpacked his bagpipes, he walked over to the grave, and he put everything to his mouth. He began to, to play Amazing Grace. And the guys were sitting there on that dirt watching it and eating their sandwiches. So they came over, you know, and they stood there next to him, and he's playing his heart out. He's like, you know what, this man, I don't know who he was. No one really knows who he was, but he deserves the best. I'm going to give him my best. He's playing, playing in bagpipes, amazing grace. And it was so touching that the guys that work in there, they, got, they, were, so, they were like, oh, my goodness. And they were just touched as well as they looked down at that vault there, there that piece of metal that lay in the, in the, down in the hole. And, and they were just all just overwhelmed. And, and finally he got done. He packed up his bagpipes and he made it back to his car, and he's opening the door. About that time, he heard the, one of the guys say, Sweet mother of Jesus, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I've been putting septic tanks in for 20 years. <laughs> uh, Resurrection Sunday is a wonderful day. Everything that we believe hinges on this one day. Resurrection. So everything we believe hinges on this day. If Jesus had not risen, then everything he had taught would have been just something typical like anybody else would have taught. He would have just been another great teacher. But because he rose, he became, he separated himself from everybody else. You can go to Muhammad's grave and there will be bones there. You can go to Buddha's grave, there'll be bones there. You can go to Joseph Smith's grave, there'll be bones there. But you go to Jesus' grave, and there's nothing there. There's nothing there. No, nobody has ever said that they would die and then come back to life in three days and do it. Oh, a lot of people tried. Harry Houdini tried. He was the great escape artist. He even said, told his wife, every day of my birthday, put a ritual, do a ritual, light a candle over my, the mantle where, you know, my, my, my little bones are going to be and, and everything and, 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 and just wait for me to come. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And, and he never came back. He couldn't, he couldn't break the powers of death, but Jesus did. And Jesus did. And, 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 and before the resurrection, 
And the people would die, and, and they would go into a place called Hades, which was like a corner of hell, and you couldn't get out. It was, you were trapped. You were, it was a holding place, if you would, for those that had died uh, before Jesus had come. But when Jesus came and he came out of that grave, he not only uh, died for us, our sins, but he also went into Hades. He went into hell itself, and he came back with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Come on. And, and he showed himself to 532 people, 13 different locations. In fact, the Bible says that, that people would, he let, like, let a, a, a crowd of people down the streets. It says in Ephesians 4 that, that when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. What I love about this whole concept is, is that we have to understand that if you are born, if you are born twice, you only die once. But if you're only born once, you die twice. And you don't want to die twice. You don't want to die a physical death and a spiritual death. But if you're born again and born in the natural, man, there's life and life forevermore. The Bible says that Isaiah 43, 24, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. He remembers your sins no more. That's remember. You know what? That's an interesting word. I, my, my wife, I'm just going to go there. <laughs> my wife remembers everything. I don't know how many men are married to a, a woman that remembers everything, but she remembers everything. I mean, it's like living with, literally living with my wife is like living with a, with a living tape recorder. <laughs> and, and it makes it very hard to win any kind of an argument in life, because she remembers every conversation. She can remember a conversation that happened 25 years ago, and we'll be married 29 years in about four weeks, or a couple weeks, but, but, but she remembers, in one week? Oh, it's one week, okay. Somewhere around there, we're going to be married 29 years. Maybe, I don't know. I might be joining some people in the grave. I, I'm not sure. But, but she, she remembers everything. And I'm, I'm not, as a matter of fact, she remembers not only, she, she only remembers what I said, she remembers like what I was wearing when I said what I said. And she remembers where I was standing. And she, she can even remember like the temperature in the room or if it was outside the cloud formation. You know, she remembers, it's like the woman can't forget nothing. And me, I don't know what it is, but when I fall asleep, everything that happened in my life was gone. And I just wake up every day, it's just a brand new day. I feel sorry for her, actually. I feel sorry for someone that remembers everything. But it doesn't really help you when you're trying to, you know, win an argument. I'm telling you, that's for sure. In fact, funny little story. Not long ago, I decided to take her, like, you know, kidnapped her and took her like, out on for like a little overnight date. And we went to Sandustin. And, uh, and so we, we've been there, you know, sometimes before. And there was a little, little town over there called Baytown that um, has some shops and everything. So anyway, we were staying near that place. Um, so we, I said, well, hey, let's go take a walk. There's a lot of walking trails. Let's go walk over that little Baytown place. And she goes, okay. So we're walking along, lots of trails and everything, people biking around. And we get to this, uh, like, why? And I start going to the right, and she starts going to the left. I say, hey, where are you going? 
She goes, I'm going to, you know, the place, the Baytown. I said, well, no, I, it's this way. She goes, no, it's this way. Now, I'm pretty good with, look, with directions. I, that's one of my good strengths. And I'm thinking, oh, I got her on this one. This is, you know, she may remember everything I said 25 years ago, but she don't know where she's going. <laughs> I know where I'm going. I said, no, it's this way. She goes, I'm telling you, it's this way. I said, I was so kind. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you an hour's back rub. Now, now, see, we don't bet money, but we do back, we do bet back, back rubs, and, and 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 that's a big sacrifice. And she goes, an hour's worth. I said, I, I absolutely, I'm I'm so calm. She goes, and, and she goes, you're on. And I was like, whoa, because she's that's a, you know she typically wouldn't go jump it, but I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get this one. And so I'm thinking, how am I going to find this out? And so about that time, this family is biking down the path, and I stopped him. I said, hey, stop for a second. Excuse me. And uh, this lady stops me, and I said, listen, my wife are having a little debate here, and, and we're going to Baytown, and I, obviously it's that way, but she thinks it's that way. Can you please tell her that it's that way? And she looked at me, and she said, sir, it's that way. I said, I think this is a woman thing. You're in cahoots with the wizard. It's a woman thing. I said, listen, ma'am, this is a serious thing. Don't be playing around with me because I got an hour-long back rub on the line here. She goes, I'm telling you, sir, it's that way. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And sure enough, it was that way. I hate the fact that someone can remember everything. And especially when you live with it. But the, this word remember is an interesting word. It means to mention them. It means to mention, to record, and to remind in other words, it's not that God can't remember because God remembers lots of things. And it's not that he can't remember your sins, but the choice that he makes is, I choose not to remind you of those things. And I'm choosing not to mention those things to you. And I'm choosing not to bring them up to you again. And let me just give you some good marriage advice while I'm at it. If you have a spat and you forgive one another, can I just say it's over? At that point, it's over. And you are out of bounds if you bring, keep bringing that thing back up. In fact, it's going to ruin some good things that God has for your marriage if you keep doing that. If God doesn't do it. He remembers it, but he don't bring it back up. He doesn't mention it. He doesn't, he doesn't bring it to your face every time you mess up again. He doesn't use it as leverage for you to bow down and serve him. He remembers our sins no more. Now, this resurrection has always been part of God's plan. And really quickly this morning, with the few minutes we have, I want to give you five things that the resurrection means. You ready for this? Five things the resurrection means. If you're taking notes, you can do that. If you want to pull out your notes on your phone, you can do that. Unless you're just good at remembering. Like my wife, she doesn't need to. She doesn't need to do anything. She just listens. Number one, the resurrection means that the winter is over. Everybody say the winter is over. In Leviticus chapter 23, it says, to this, it says this, speak to the Israelites and say to them that when you enter into the land that I'm going to give you, the promised land that he's talking about, and reap the harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain of your harvest, and he is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. And the priest is to wave it on the day of the Sabbath. And on the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord, a year old without defect. We call this day the day of first fruits. What the priest would do, he would historically and religiously every year go out and he would look at the fields and he would find on this day 
the most ripe um, piece of harvest, barley typically, I think at that time, he would find this, or wheat, and he would pick it up, and, and he would pick this ripened, even though everything else hasn't quite ripened yet, but he would find one that was, and he would bring it to the temple, and he would wave it before the Lord. And it was a picture and a sign to all of those that were watching that Winter was now over, spring has begun, and guess what he was also doing? He was consecrating all of the fields, all of the harvest, every field was now consecrated unto God. He, he was giving to the Lord the first fruits of the harvest and saying, God, these, these first fruits are yours. Now you take them and you, you be blessed because you always get the first, and, and, and we, we thank you because of that, you're going to consecrate everything else. And he did that, he did that on, on this particular day. And, and, and when this happened, it was the day of, dis, of, it was the Passover time. And the question is, when did this happen? Um, it was this, excuse me, the Sabbath it was the day after Passover. So, so, um, so, so we, here's how, how it goes down. So when Jesus died, it was on Passover. When he was in the tomb, it was the Sabbath. And when he rose again, it was the day after Sabbath. The first fruits happened the day after Sabbath. Got my facts right. It happened the day after Sabbath. So you put it all together. And so what we see is when Jesus is coming out of the tomb, he comes out of the tomb on the day of first fruits. He comes out of the tomb on the very day that while the priest is waving a sheaf before the Lord in the temple in this little grave over here, there's a man that is coming out and he becomes the first fruit of all the harvest, of all the peoples of the world. He becomes your first fruit. He becomes the man that says, you know what? I'm coming out of the tomb. Winter is now over. Spring has begun. And the fields of humanity have now been consecrated unto the Lord. Winter is over. Turn to your neighbor and tell them winter is over. This is a reminder, resurrection, Easter Sunday, whatever you want to call it, is a reminder to all of us that, that the, the spring has now come, that it's a new day in the Lord. I don't care what you're, every, every life and every person's soul, there has to be points where you have a redo, a refresh, a restart, a do-over. And, and, and Resurrection Sunday is a, is a reminder to us that winter is over, this dark day is over, but if you want, if you, if you desire, it can be a new day for you. And number two, resurrection teaches me that my sins are removed. It's interesting to me that even years, many hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus would even die and go to the cross, go to the grave, that God was already preaching the message of salvation and resurrection to us. Because that's what he does. He, he, in the Old Testament, why the Old Testament is so important is that it's pictures of what God was going to do later to us. Everything points to Jesus in the Old Testament. Case in point, the Ark of the, the Noah's Ark. Do you remember the Noah's Ark story? And Noah gathered all his family and he gathered all the animals into this ark. And, and the Bible says that, that on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountain of Ararat. It's a mountain over there where we now call Turkey. And the Bible says that, that on that day, on the 17th day of the seventh month, that this ark rests on this mountain, and the, and, and the Bible says the waters continue to recede from this ark. Now, what's significant is that Jesus died on the seventh month and the 14th day. The ark rested on the mountain on the seventh month and 17th day. 
Do the math. So Jesus died on the 14th day, 15, 16, 17, and it matches completely when the ark rested on the mountaintop. What is that a picture of? The ark is a picture of Jesus. That all who come into Jesus, male and female alike, it doesn't matter. All who come into Jesus will be saved. And the sins of the world will not be able to touch you. The sins of the world will not be able to inhabit you. And if you will just rest in the Lord, he will take you and he will carry you. Amen. To this place of resurrection. Amen. And on that day where the ark rested, the very day, years later, where Jesus would be risen from the grave, the waters would recede. Come on. You, the sins of man will recede and you will not face them anymore. And all those things will be washed away. Oh my goodness, it means that, 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 that my sins are removed. That's what resurrection means. I don't have to live with that stuff the rest of my life. I can be washed of it. Number three, the resurrection means that God loves me more than I can imagine. God needed a picture of this resurrection, this death and resurrection in the Old Testament again, so he uses Abraham and his son Isaac. Abraham, known as the father of our faith, is told by the Lord, I want you to take your son, your only son, Abraham, and I want you to go to a place that I will show you, and I want you to sacrifice your only, everybody say only son. And so he's like, oh my goodness, okay. And he gets up early in the morning, and he takes his only son, and he marches, he walks, doesn't know how long he's going to walk, but the Bible says that he ends up walking three days. He walks three days until the Lord says, now this is the mountain I want you to climb, and I want you to sacrifice your son. So basically, you, you can say it like this. For three days, Abraham walked looking at his son, but not seeing a son that was alive. He was already seeing his son that was dead. He was walking three days with a dead son. A father in love with his son walking three days journey with a dead son. He goes into the mountain where God shows him, which happens to be Mount Moriah, which so happens to be, so happens, to be the very mountain, the very place where Jesus would die on the cross, we would call Calvary, Calvary later. It's not an accident. God, God, Abraham understood that God is a covenant-keeping God, and, 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 and I, as much as we kind of think, man, was, that must have been very hard for him. Yes, it was hard, no doubt. Who could do that? But, but there was something inside of Abraham because he knew that God was a covenant-keeping God, and the terms of a covenant means that if I, if, you, if I give you something, you have to give me back something of equal or greater return. And so he's thinking to himself, okay, God has asked me to give me his son, my son, my only son. So that means if I give God my son, that, that either God's going to make something happen where that doesn't happen, or I'm going to come back down a mountain with God's son. Think about that. And so he walks up this mountain, and his son Isaac says, Dad, um, look, you know, I, we got the fire. We, 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 I'm, carrying, I'm carrying all the wood, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't see a sacrifice. It's all right. God will provide a sacrifice. Mm. 
And, and so we get Isaac up on top of this mountain and, and we, we, you know, pictures, movies think it's a little kid. It's a, little, a little kid can't carry a huge stack of, of wood up a mountain, okay? This guy was probably, you know, some say maybe 17 up to even 30 years old. Old enough to say, you know what, Dad? I think you've lost your mind. I'm not doing it. But no, Isaac said, yeah, Dad. I, I, I trust you enough to climb up, willingly climb up onto this altar. And I know, Dad, you know what you're doing. So I'm going to trust you with that. And guess what? He climbed up willingly on that sacrifice, on that altar, just like Jesus did. He willingly climbed onto the cross. He wasn't coerced. He wasn't made. In fact, when they came to arrest him in the garden, he goes, don't you know, I could call right now legions of angels. I could just call all the angels I want. I could call right now and stop this whole thing, but I'm not going to because I love humanity. I love mankind. And I will do everything in my power to rescue them. The resurrection means that God loves me more than I can imagine. And number four, the resurrection means that hell can't even stop me now. What? Oh, yeah. You see, one day the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, Hey, Jesus, show us your tricks. Do us some things, man, to prove that you're the Son of God. Do us some miracles. Do us some tricks. Do, do, do something that, you know, can give us some reason to really believe that you're the Son of God. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'm not giving you nothing. But the only sign, the only trick, whatever you want, that I'm going to give you is this. The sign of Jonah. That's what I'm giving you. Now, they're familiar with Jonah, as many perhaps of us. The story with the prophet was asked by God to go to Nineveh and prophesy to this wicked city. But Jonah says, no, I'm not doing that. I, I don't want them to be saved. If I don't like those people. They, they deserve whatever judgment is coming their way. So he goes the other way. And, and, and God, you know, through a series of events, a storm, different things, and now is swallowed up by a fish and carried three days in the belly of a whale and spit out. I love the language of that. He spit out in the banks of Nineveh, on the shores there by Nineveh. I love that. And it's exactly what Jesus said. I tell you, here's, what, here's how you're going to know that I'm the Son of God. It'll be just like Jonah. Now, if you will look at Jonah chapter 2, it describes his journey, and it tells you that he's in the belly of this fish, and he goes into the depths. He, it describes it as going even to hell. He describes his experience as going to hell and, as he's in this belly. It wasn't by accident that the word describes his journey as that because that's exactly what Jesus was. That was the sign. Jesus said, here's the sign that I am the son of God. I will be just like Jonah. I will go into the belly in the depths of hell and I will go there for three days. But guess what? It's going to spit me out. <laughs> Hell's not going to be able to handle me. Oh, I'm too big and too bad for hell. And it's going to spit me out. And when I come out, I'm going to have the keys of death, hell, and the grave in my hands. And it means, that means the resurrection means that hell cannot even stop me and you. Hell has no power over you. Sin has no power over us. We are living with resurrection life. And our fifth one, our last one, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. So we get ready to close. 
The resurrection means I get a second chance. I get a second chance. You see, the Day of Atonement, we spoke of it, was the holiest day in Israel's year. It was the high point. It was the pinnacle. It was, it was the day where that priest would take, you know, the blood of the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies. It would be the day that for one more year, the sins of the nation would be forgiven. It would be on this Passover day that the priest would bring two identical looking goats out into the people. And he would pull out of his coat, his jacket, his robe, two stones. And he would place one stone over the head of one goat and one stone over the head of the other identical looking goat. And one stone symbolized this goat would live and the other stone symbolized that this goat would die. One would be a scapegoat. They would escape the sins of humanity for one more year. The other one would be set free. Speaking of what happens when your sins are forgiven. Little did they know years ago, hundreds of years ago, what they were actually doing. They were, they were painting a picture of what Jesus would be doing himself as he is now brought before Pilate's chambers a third time. And they said, this man is guilty of sins. And he brings him to the people. And he goes, look, I find no fault in this man. There's no reason this man needs to die. He needs to die. He goes, I'll just, we'll just whip him really bad and we'll just give him back to you if that's what you want. No, crucify him, kill him. He deserves to die. And he thought to himself, Pilate thought, well, you know what? On this day, there's a custom that all the, the people of Israel have and that is that they would, they would keep one to, to death and they would set another one free. So he said, send me Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was an insurrectionist against the Romans at that time, he, and he was known as a very evil, wicked man. And Barabbas' name means Bar-Abbas, Bar meaning the son of, and Abbas means father, Abba, Abba. He was the son of the father. And so Barabbas is there on death row. He's, his days are numbered. He knows it's just a matter of time before he himself will be Ex, be, uh, be, be killed and executed before the Roman legion. He, he knows that his days are just few and, and yet the, the, he hears the, the, perhaps the footsteps coming down the hallway and the clanging of the Roman soldiers' sandals and, and swords and, and, and he thinks to himself, this is it. This is it. I've heard a crowd outside. I can hear the noise. They want my head. This is it. I'm going down. This is my last few moments of life. And, and they open the, the cell door or the whatever it was, the pit that he was in. And they bring him out to, and they pull him. They said, come on, Barabbas. And they pull Barabbas out and they present him in front of this throng of people. And he's standing next to a man who's got thorns on his head. He's, got, he's been whipped. He's bloody. He's, 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 he's got bruises on his face where they've been, he's been punched over and over again. He's almost beyond description. He's looking at this man and he's hearing the words, Jesus, Jesus, kill him, Jesus, Jesus, kill him. And he thinks to himself, I've heard about this man. I've heard about this guy. What's going on? And Pilate it says, now tell me, we have two goats in a sense. We have two goats here. We got one that has done really nothing wrong and another one that's filled with all sorts of sin, vile and wicked. Now who do you choose? We choose this man, the innocent man, to be killed. And Barabbas is set free. 
I don't know. We don't know. No one knows what happened to Barabbas. But it's not hard for me to imagine that that man Barabbas became a disciple of Christ. Two goats, two men. Both of them looked like the image of the Father. One set free, one died. What does that mean? That means that you get a second chance. It means that you get a third chance, and you get a fourth chance, and you get a fifth chance, and you get a sixth chance, and you get a seventh chance, and you get an eighth chance, and you get a ninth chance, and you get as many chances as you need. All that you need is to fall on your knees, to cry in your heart and say, Father God, forgive me, for I have sinned. And God will make something beautiful out of a mess. The story is told years ago of a sculptor that had ruined a huge nine-plus-ton piece of beautiful Italian Carrara marble. And he had ruined this piece of marble so bad that there was nothing else any of the sculptors could do with it. It was left for almost 100 years in the courtyards of the Cathedral of Florence in Italy until finally one young man was brought to look at this piece of marble in 1505. And they asked him, they said, Mr. Michelangelo, can you do anything with this piece of marble? And he began to study the marble. And he saw the cracks and he saw the flaws and he saw all the mistakes and the, and the piece of marble that was at one time beautiful and could be worked with, but because of the faulty work of the past sculptors, was just mired with mistakes and, and he studied it and he studied it and he studied it. And then he began to sketch out something that he saw in this flawed piece of marble, this nine ton, 18 foot piece of rock. And every day for the next three years, he would go out and he would begin to chisel away the flaws and the mistakes that have been created in this beautiful piece of marble. And so finally, after three years, he presented the people with this beautiful description of what he thought David looked like. In fact, one of the people watching it, looking at it said, the only thing, Michelangelo, the only thing that this statue doesn't have is breath. It looks just like a man. It's amazing how an artist like that could take something so flawed that everyone else had given up on for over 100 years and create something so beautiful. But it's equally and even more amazing how God can take you and he can take me and all the flaws that we have and make us new again with every head bowed and eye closed this morning. You're here listening to the sound of my voice. Altar team, if you would come, please. Appreciate that, prayer team. The sound of my voice, you would say, man, I, Pastor, that's me you're talking about. It. I feel like I've been a piece of that stone. I feel like I've, I'm that person that can't even be used again. Good news, 
on Resurrection Sunday? Oh, yes, you can. And yes, you will. And all you need is just to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. All you need is just to ask Jesus with all of your heart to come into your life and to restore you, renew you. And the whole purpose of resurrection will now become real to you as it became real to me and so many others. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor JP, I would love to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I'm not going to ask you to step out of your seat, but I'd like to pray with you right where you're sitting. So if you would say, Pastor JP, today I want to receive Jesus. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe you want to come back to the Lord. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe it's been a journey of separation. And today you feel like today is the day. I need to change and let Jesus have his way in my life. If that's you this way, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Just come on. Raise your hand all across the room. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. See those hands in the front, in the middle, in the very back. Anybody else? Come on. Yes, on my left. Yes, in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? I want Jesus. Yes, in the very back, in the middle. I want Jesus. I'm going to ask him to change my life. I'm turning it over today. Anybody else? Come on. I want Jesus as the Lord of my life today. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand on my left, middle there. Anybody else? Come on. I want Jesus as the Lord of my life. I'm serious. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, in the front. I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life today. I'm turning it around. I'm going to make sure that his death counted for something. In Jesus' name. All those that raised their hand this morning, I'm going to just say a prayer for you. And if you wouldn't mind, I, I'd just like for you to repeat this prayer. A, I call it a salvation prayer, where you literally invite Jesus into your life. In fact, I'm going to ask all of us together if we could all pray this prayer along with those that raise your hand. Can we do that together? Can we say these words? Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you lived and you died and you rose again and you conquered sin, death, and the hell. Today I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me your child. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus a hand of praise for that this morning? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have what we call prayer teams here in front. And our desire is for you if, you, if you raise your hand before you leave, just to step up front, just to say, hey, listen, I just want you to know that I received Jesus into my heart. We'd love to just meet you, love to have another prayer with you, love to get your name, have some material we want to send you, and um, help you in your journey, because it's a wonderful, wonderful journey. For everybody else here in the room, you say, Pastor JP, man, you know what? I feel today what you challenged me with. I, I sense in my own heart that I want to walk in resurrection power. 
I, I believe that that's my portion and I want to walk in resurrection power. If you're like me and you want to walk in resurrection power, would you stand to your feet with me right now, right where you're at? Come on, I want to walk in resurrection power. I want to say a prayer for you as well. Then Patrick's going to come and close this out. Again, the power of resurrection, the power of resurrection means that sin no longer has a hold on us. It means that we can walk into our spring and out of winter. So, so would you just raise your hands with me right here where you're at? Father God, we just today reach out to you and we say, God, thank you for resurrection power. We thank you, Lord God, that old things are passed away. We thank you that all things are made new. And we declare today, Lord God, by your name, that there is power coming to our lives, into our souls, into our families, into Lord our Sunday at 9 a.m., okay? 11 a.m. Have a great Easter with you and your family. God bless you.